following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Christian Life Austin, can I just tell you tonight, you look amazing. You look incredible. In fact, if you look this good on a Wednesday night, I don't, know, I don't even want to see you on a Sunday. You, you, you're going to be looking incredible, and I just got to tell you, I'm so happy to see people in the room. I'm excited to preach tonight because there's actually people here. It's not four walls, and I'm so honored to get to speak to you here tonight. You know, I want to tell you this as we get started, those of you that are watching online, those of you that are in the house, I'm so grateful personally just to be a part of such an amazing house. If, if you see across the way over here, there's some progress. There's some good things happening. And can I tell you, a season is coming. We've been working. We've been doing construction. We've kind of been out of sorts, out of place. But can I tell you, something great is coming. And I can't wait to see it. And I thank you guys, just on behalf of Pastor Rex Johnson and Pastor Brad, for sticking it out, for sticking with us. And we're so excited that you are with us tonight. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter number 7. And I'm going to read a story to you. And from that story, I'm going to pull out some biblical truths that I just really believe apply to us here today in 2020. And I just want to preach to you this message, we can't stay here. 2 Kings chapter 7, starting with verse number 1, reading from the message. Elisha said, listen to God's word. The famine is over. This time tomorrow, food will be plentiful. A handful of meal for a shekel and two handfuls of grain for a shekel. The city or the market at the city gate will be buzzing. The attendant on whom the king leaned for support said to the holy man, You expect us to believe that? What's going to happen? Trap doors opening up in the sky, windows of heaven and food tumbling out. The man of God responds and says, you'll watch it. You'll see it with your own eyes. He said, but you will not eat so much as a mouthful. It happened that four lepers were sitting outside the gate. And they said one to another, what are we doing sitting here at death's door? If we enter the famine-struck city, we'll die. And if we stay here, we'll die. So let's take our chances in the camp of Aram and throw ourselves on their mercy. If they receive us, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. We've got nothing to lose. So after the sun went down, they got up and went to the camp of Aram. And when they got to the edge of the camp, surprise... Not a man in the camp. The master had made the army of Aram hear the sound of horses and a mighty army on the march. And they told one another, the king of Israel has hired the king of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. Panicked, they ran for their lives through the darkness, abandoning the tents, horses and donkeys. The whole camp just as it was running for dear life. And these four lepers then entered the tent. First they ate. And drank, and then they grabbed gold and silver and clothing and went and hid it, and they came back, entering another tent and looted it, again hiding their plunder. 
If you would, just close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment. Jesus, in your name, we're so thankful for your goodness. We're so thankful for your grace and your mercy. And we're so thankful that you always call us to something more. You always call us to something better. You always call us to take a next step. And I just pray that after tonight that we'll be encouraged, we'll be in strength, and not to stay where we are, but to go where you want to take us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Now, there is nothing, and I mean nothing, that annoys me and bothers me more than being afraid. In fact, I would say here tonight, there's nothing that I'm afraid of more than being afraid. <laughs> um, when I was a little kid, I was afraid of lightning, I was afraid of thunder, and my dad made me sit down and he said, this is not something we're going to be scared of. And he turned off the lights and we sat there in the dark and watched the lightning and the thunder. And you can ask my wife, now when, when it lightnings and thunders, I'm like, oh, here we go, we're getting a storm, this is happening. I don't like being afraid. I'm not into scary movies. I don't go to haunted houses. I don't do scary stuff. I don't even like being scared when I walk around the corner. Just the other day, my kids came around the corner, and they were walking like this. And they were like, ooh. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? They're like, Dad, we're zombies. I said, cut it out. Cut it out right now. I don't know where, where, did, you, where did you see that. And they were scared, like eyes wide. They're like, well, our friends were doing it. I was like. Well, I'm glad you have friends, but cut it out. We don't do scary stuff. I don't like scary stuff, but even though I don't like to be scared, I enjoy taking risk. Any risk takers in the house? Anybody like to take risk? I have always throughout my life loved taking risks. In fact, my mom told me that she always thought I was going to have a job jumping out of an airplane or being a jet, a fighter jet pilot. Instead, I became a pastor, which is much more scarier. <laughs> But as a kid, I was the kid that was jumping off the roof, onto the trampoline, into the pool. I just love taking risks. But I've noticed as I've gotten older, I take a lot less risk. In fact, I just noticed this the other day. This week, I turned 37. And, you know, my dad always used to say it's better than the alternative. But I'm getting older. And I realized, like, I'm not the guy I used to be. I was Googling how to grow green grass. I, I was looking up life insurance. I own a brown Kia Soul. I wear glasses at night. Like I am not the guy that I thought I was. And this, this happened recently. An event happened in my life that really has traumatized me and really changed the way that I view myself. And if they would, just roll the video. Do it. What happened to Phil? Phil 
Philip, I'll climb up and give you my flip-flops to walk down. <laughs> the kids want to go swimming. Come on. I would just like to say that the cliff is much higher than it appears in the video. It's like a weird angle. It was at least like 60 feet high. Can we, can we just roll the next video just for my own pride? This is just for me. I got to the edge of the cliff. And the guy that I thought I was was just going to jump off the edge. I couldn't jump. I was scared. In fact, you heard my friend saying, what happened to you? And in my mind, I was like, I don't know. I'm not this guy, but I can't jump. Like, this is too far for me. This is echoing in my ears now. What happened to you? And so when I laid my head down for my 37th birthday, that was the last thought I had. What happened to you? <laughs> but the truth is, tonight, there's a sense that playing it safe is the wise thing to do. And for some of you that are parents in the room, you understand this. This is a good thing when it comes to stewarding our money, taking care of our family, taking care of our wife. It's a good thing to play it safe. It's the wise thing. But when it comes to the area of spirituality and faith and following God, you have to be careful. Because I know this, Jesus did not come to die on a cross for my sins so that I can stay where I'm at. He didn't die for me so that I could live a tame, domesticated life, doing my cute little church thing, dropping my tithe off in the box, and then heading home. That is not the life that Jesus died for, but he came so that I could live life and life to the fullest. He came so that we could get up out of our mess. He came so that we could get up out of our sin. He came... So that we could take a leap of faith. And the truth is tonight, you can't follow Jesus unless you leave where you are. And many of us, because of culture, because of friends, because of the enemy of our soul, we are standing just like I was on the cliff of life saying, I really don't know what to do? Anybody felt like that in 2020? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to go. I, I, I don't know if I should like fist bump you or give you a hug or just like stay away or not breathe. I don't know what to do in 2020. So I think I'm just going to do what I've always done. I'm going to stay where I'm at because the safest thing to do is to isolate. We say that we're going to self-quarantine spiritually and emotionally. I'm just going to stay where I'm at. But can I tell you tonight, the enemy wants you isolated. He wants you alone. He wants you thinking if you just hide out in fear, this thing is going to blow over. But the enemy tonight is a liar. And he has told you and he's told this generation and he's influenced culture and has convinced so many in our world that hanging back in fear is better than moving forward. That if you hide out like Gideon long enough, the enemy will stop beating you up. The enemy will stop bullying you. That if you hide out, that if you isolate one day, things will get better. So that's what we do. We isolate ourselves. And as soon as we do that, <laughs> then the enemy shows up and tells us that nobody sees us and nobody knows us and nobody cares about us and that we're not good enough and, and that you should be afraid and that you don't belong and that you don't have a future. But here is the truth that the enemy doesn't want you to know here tonight. God is for you. You are more than enough. You are more than a conqueror. You belong. You have a future. There is a promise of something better. There is a promise of something greater. There is a promise of something more. 
for. It doesn't matter what 2020 looks like. But here's the thing. We can't stay here. And tonight, the truth is the greatest risk that we could ever take is actually living a life without faith. Because you run the risk of dying but never truly living. Hey, if you're taking notes at home or you're taking notes here in the house, point number one, it's going to be a little different. It's a mathematic equation. I've done a lot of science gathering, a lot of data that I've gathered. I've put this formula together for, for you, just for you. So just know there's a lot of science that has gone into this. It is perfect. Okay, point number one is this. Criticism plus pessimism equals agnosticism. Okay, hear me out. I'm going to explain it, okay? Scientific, very scientific here. Criticism is the expression of disapproval of someone or something based on perceived faults or mistakes. If there's not a theme for 2020, I don't know what it is. <laughs> so this is what criticism is. Okay, so now here's pessimism. Pessimism is a tendency to see the worst aspects of things or believe that the very worst will happen. It's a lack of hope or confidence in the future. Okay, theme number two for 2020. And when you add these two things together, here's what you get. You get agnosticism, and here it is. It's the belief that God is unknowable and that human knowledge is, is limited to experience. In other words, God maybe can, but he won't. God is possibly real, but he doesn't care about my real problems and my real issues. God is there, but he's not with me. God created everything, created the whole world, but he can't help me in my situation. And that's where we find this dude that's hanging out with the king that is comfortable in the king's house. The man of God shows up, the prophet, with the word from God that, is, that, that God is going to deliver, that he's going to set free, that he's going to fix their issues, that, that they got a vaccine for COVID. Well, I don't know where you are on vaccines, but hey, things are getting better. He shows up, and this guy, who no doubt, I believe, has lived a life of criticism, a life of pessimism. You ever been around people that, like, they feel and they act very smart, but all they are is, like, critical of it? They just point out what everybody else is doing wrong. They've made a living of just being, like, critical of everyone. And I think this is where this guy is at. He's presenting himself as smart, but really, he's just critical. Really, he's just pessimistic. And the word of God shows up, the man of God shows up, says things are going to get better. And he's like, how? Like even if God opened up windows, like we couldn't even see him do what we need him to do. In other words, because of his criticism and because of his pessimism, he believed that God could, just not that he would. He, he believed that God was, but not that he was going to do anything to fix their situation he said, can we just stay here? He said, can we just stay here? I, like, we don't need all that. I'm comfortable in the king's house. I've got what I need. I'm getting fed. I, I don't even need that. And Elisha says, guess what? You'll see it, but you won't experience it. We have too many in this generation that see what God is doing, but don't get to experience it because they bought into the lie that God is, but that he won't. I'm here to tell you tonight that God is not concerned just with your heart. He's concerned about your future. He's concerned with where you are going. He's not just concerned with where you are right now. He's concerned about your potential. He's concerned about what lies ahead. 
The prophet said, you'll see it, but you won't experience it. Can I tell y'all tonight, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of racial strife and tension, in the middle of election season, in the middle of arguing on social media, God is up to something. And I refuse to allow the criticism and the pessimism and the cynicism and the spirit of this age to determine the way that I experience God, to, the, to determine the way that I experience what God is doing. Tonight, can I tell you, the easiest place to get stuck or the easiest way to get stuck and you were in a place you were never supposed to be. We're going to rewind and start that over again. Can I tell you the easiest way to get stuck in a place that you were never supposed to be is to simply do life with the wrong people. Here's my question to you tonight. How can you ever get well if all you do is hang out with sick people? How can you ever see if all you do is hang out with blindness? If all you do is hang out with arrogant people, how are you ever going to get to humility? If all you do is hang out with people who are negative and gossip and critical and backbiters, how are you ever going to live the life of a life giver? But God has called us to live above the world. In other words, some of y'all need to get some new friends. All right, we're going to move on. Point number two is this. God sees what we can't see. The preacher says, tomorrow about this time. Tomorrow about this time, things are going to be different. Tomorrow about this time, things are going to be better. Can I preach to you? Can I just tell you, as a young minister, as a man that's pursuing God, 2020 has been crazy, but by this time next year, God is going to reveal to you why you are where you are at. By this time in 2021, and I don't care if it's 2021 or 2022, God is going to do something that you've been praying for. He's going to do something that you've been hoping for. He's going to do something that you've been praying happens. Here's why, because God sees what we can't see. Psalm chapter 23 tells us this, that he's prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You ever gone to a restaurant and you're just sitting there like you forgot to put in a reservation? Not that I've ever done that, but you're just sitting there. People are just walking past you. But then you ever gone to a restaurant and you made the reservation and everybody's just sitting there like they're, they're, they're done doing small talk. Like it's been like 30 minutes. And they don't have anything to say anymore. And they're just sitting there. And you just walk right in. They're like, Mr. Daigle, we've got a seat waiting for you. I'm like, don't mind if I do. I'll see you guys later. That's what God does for us in the presence of our enemies. We didn't even have to make a reservation. But he says, I've got a table prepared for you. You guys, you've been critical. You've been negative. You've been saying things you shouldn't be saying. Well, guess what? I've got a table prepared for my children. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. We love to quote that scripture. Here's the context. They were in bondage. They were in slavery. Can I put it in terms of 2020? They were in the middle of a pandemic. In the middle of this season where there felt like there was no hope and no future, Jesus, God said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. Not plans to harm you. Can I tell you, when you follow after God, he's got something prepared for you that's better than anything you can ever imagine. God is preparing something for you in the middle 
of a pandemic. And not only does he see what we can't see, he uses who we don't expect. Okay, so there's four lepers, and they're just sitting there. They don't know what to do. Speaking of someone that has no hope, these four lepers are sitting there, and they start talking amongst themselves like, what are we going to do? If we stay here, we're going to die. But maybe, maybe we'll go to the enemy, and maybe they'll take in the lepers. Like, it doesn't even make sense, but they realize and they come to this realization that whatever we do, we can't do nothing. We'd rather die taking a step forward than sit back in fear. So they say, we just have to do something because we can't stay here. And I just believe they were moved by desperation. And God is always moved by desperation. And I think this generation is desperate more than ever for something real. Who would have expected these lepers, the outcasts, the, the ones that nobody cared about in the middle of famine for God to use to bring a revival? Because here's the thing. Man looks on the, on the outward, but God looks on the heart. Newsflash. <laughs> I can't see your heart tonight. But God does. I can't see your potential, but God does. I can't see your future, but God does. And God doesn't just see who you are today. He sees who you are going to become. I'm so thankful here tonight that Jesus always sees who we can be. He doesn't just see you where you're at right now. He just doesn't see the person that you are right now. He sees who you can become. And, and I just got to tell you, if you were to take out of the Bible all the stories of the people that were broken, that were afflicted, that were messed up, that were hurting, that were down, it would be a really small book. <laughs> In fact, I'm not even going to try to convince you. I'm going to give you some examples. Y'all ready for this? Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Leah was ugly. That really just you know, spoke to my heart right there. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Jeremiah was too young. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Peter denied Jesus. And John the Baptist ate bugs. He can use anybody. You might have some issues in your life here tonight, but God can still use your life. God is not looking for perfection. He's not looking for perfect. He's looking for desperate and available. And I don't know about you tonight, but I am desperate for God to use me. I'm desperate for God to heal me. I'm desperate for God to deliver me. And the beautiful thing about it is he sees what we can't see. Ten years ago, if you would have asked me, hey, do you see yourself standing on a stage at Christian Life Austin? I'd have been like, what? I mean, that's amazing. I want to do it. But God sees what we can't see. He knows what we don't know. We see our worst, but he sees our best. In fact, he says, bring me your worst and I'll give you my best. The beautiful thing about it tonight is. This is point number four. We have nothing to lose and everything to gain. These lepers decided, look, where I'm at right now is not going to 
It's not going to cut it. Where I'm at in this place, it leads to nowhere. And I don't know, and there's no guarantee, and there's no promise, but all I know is that I can't stay here. If this isn't the theme for 2020, I don't know what is. We don't sometimes know what to do. We don't know what to say. But here's what I do know. We can't stay where we are. The church is calling us. God is calling us as a church to take a step forward, to step in faith. The Bible tells us this. Sometimes we, well, actually all the time, we walk by faith and not by what we see. The Word of God tells us that the Word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I was just telling my sister this the other day. She was trying to make a big decision, and I was like, here's the thing. God doesn't show you down the road. A lamp shows you this far, so you can take one step. Because if you see all the way down there, you might not go. But if you take one step, you'll trust God, and you'll, you'll look back on your life and realize that He was with you every step of the way so these four lepers they step out say we can't stay here and on the other side of them stepping out in faith hoping for a last chance miracle can I tell you that's why the church is here for people that are walking in, giving God one last chance, giving church one last chance and saying, you know what, I've tried everything else, but I'm just going to do the one thing that seems like this might be the only thing that could possibly work, and that's why we're here, and that's why we stayed here in the middle of a pandemic. That's why we kept having church, knowing that just on the other side that someone was going to step out in faith, hoping for a miracle and praying. And on the other side of them stepping out in faith, God did something amazing. And the truth is, tonight, we really had nothing to lose anyways, but everything to gain. And tonight, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're watching from. I don't know with, if you're with family or with friends. But can I tell you, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain when you try Jesus. They were in the middle of a famine, but they decided we can't stay here and now they were feasting you might be in the middle of a culture of drugs you might be in the middle of a culture of sin but you know this you can't stay where you are and when you step out all of a sudden on the other side of that you're going to be feasting in the goodness and the presence of God we might be in a pandemic but can I tell you health is coming we might be in racial strife but when you step out in faith unity shows up we might be in the middle of isolation and loneliness but can I tell you tonight when you step out in faith you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain and I love what happens they show up the enemy is gone this feast is prepared for them it was still hot and they sit down and I say this to our young adults all the time it's one of the core values of our young adult culture but we say this sometimes you just have to rest and receive and they stepped out in faith and sitting before them was this feast and they sat down and they rested and received. That's what the house of God is all about. That one last chance, that one miracle where you sit down and you say, God, it's been a crazy season. It's been a middle of a famine. I haven't felt you in so long, but I'm going to sit here in this moment for this meal that you've prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. And I'm going to rest and receive your goodness. 
But as they enjoyed the fruit of their faith, they actually looked at each other and they're like, there's something not right about this. (laughs) There's a city that's been besieged and they're dying and they're hungry and we're sitting here feasting. Can I tell you tonight, a gift always gives us responsibility to bring someone along in the journey. We have church so that you can come in and rest and receive, but then you've got to go out and tell somebody that rest is in the house, that provision is in the house, that goodness is in the house. We can't stay silent because we've experienced the goodness of Jesus. Let's all stand. I close with this. Just five chapters earlier in 2 Kings, there's a story of these two prophets. In fact, it was the prophet that came to tell the king that, hey, by this time tomorrow, everything's going to be better. You got Elijah and Elisha. And Elisha has been following Elijah around for years. And it's the day that they know is coming. That Elijah is going to be separated from Elisha. That he's going to be taken up. You can read this story in 2 Kings. (laughs) They get to this place. And Elijah tells Elisha, hey, I got to go on, but you you stay here. Elijah said, no way, Jose. Not happening. Nice try. He's like, all right. You can read it. He goes to the next town. Elijah tells him, hey, bro, you got to stay here. Elijah's like, not happening. No way. I will not stay here. They go to the third town, and a group of prophets tell Elisha, they say, you know he's getting taken up today? You can read the story. He tells them, be quiet. I will not stay here. I am going with the man of God. I'm going with the presence of God. (laughs) Here's the moral of that story. So many times... Even church culture can tell us, hey, just stay where you are. Just play it safe. Just keep showing up and just do your little thing. Just just hang out. But God is calling us to live a life of faith. Yeah, we got to keep showing up. But it's not just about the house. It's about going and getting someone. It's about not staying where we are, not staying where we at. And I want to have the spirit of Elisha who said, nope, you're not leaving me behind. You can tell me to stay here, but I will not stay here. Can I tell you, Christian Life Austin, we're not going to stay where we at, but we're moving forward. The spirit of God is on this church and we're taking a step forward into the promises and the provision of God tonight I believe that Jesus is calling each and every one of us and so many times I feel like sometimes the church has done people a disservice because they've presented this idea that you have to run after him can I tell you tonight, Jesus is wherever you are. You don't have to run to him, but the question I want to ask you is where would you go if you knew that he was with you every step of the way? I don't know about you, but I'm not going to stay where I'm at. I'm not going to stay in my sin. I'm not going to stay in my dysfunction. I'm not going to stay in my old habits and my old way of thinking, but I'm stepping forward into the purposes and the plan of God. Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy that's in this house. I thank you that you came running 
after me, that you pursued me, and that you're pursuing so many others that are listening. But here's what they need to know. If they're going to follow you, they can't stay where they are. But the question that I would present to them is, where would you go? What would you dream for? What would you hope for if you knew that Jesus was with you? Here's the news flash: Jesus is with you. And I just pray right now that Jesus would wrap his arms around you and tell you, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to hide out in fear. But something better is coming. Something greater is coming. Your promises are coming, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen.